Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manitoba Moose end of season round table. Good afternoon, Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Manitoba. And for all of those joining us live anywhere on the interweb, good afternoon, noon to you, and welcome to the end of Manitoba Moose 22-23 roundtable. That's Daniel Fink, play-by-play voice. That's Austin Saragusa, video content coordinator for the Manitoba Moose. And of course, I'm Dave Manuk of Illegal Curve. I'll be hosting this little two-hour soiree as we look back on the season that was for this, the AHL Club of Winnipeg. We'll be talking to head coach Mark Morrison, GM Craig Heisinger, and a number of players, including Dominic Tonnato, Declan Chisholm, and Tyrell Bauer. So, uh, guys, how are you doing? It's been a couple of weeks since the Moose season has come to a close in that five-game series against the Milwaukee Admirals. What's it been like now that you've had a few, t- few weeks to kind of digest the end of the Moose season? It's gone quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Weather got nice there for a bit. Uh, Started to get the house functioning again after uh, living uh, at the rink for an entire winter. See people outside of Austin for uh, a little for a change. (laughs) And uh, so it's been it's been good to reconnect with life, I guess. Uh, Obviously, wish the team was still playing. But uh, you know what? Uh, That's the way things go. And uh, starting to get a get going on a, a nice Winnipeg summer. Yeah, absolutely. It's been nice. I mean, just a little bit of downtime. I mean, the the playoffs and gearing up towards the playoffs and even just the grind of the regular season. I mean, um, a little behind the curtain action. Right? Just getting set for games with, you know, Colin Peterson, one of our uh, managers of game presentation, just getting all that stuff ready with him and um, getting set for every game and all the playoff games as well. It's been a lot, but uh, at the same time, sad to see it end, but uh, also excited for a, a nice Winnipeg summer here too, for sure. Well, and you know, let's let's look back on that season that was before we get into the playoffs. Let's look at the at the regular season because Moose had a very good regular season. Finished third in the Central Division, uh, 37, 25, 6, and four. Daniel, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's right. And uh, again, behind Texas, who finished in first, and Milwaukee, who finished in second. And it seemed like for a while the Moose might actually have a different opponent other than the Milwaukee Admirals, who they ended up playing 30 times over the last two seasons but of course that's the way it would play out and that's who they would be their first round opponent but anything really sticking out for you guys Uh, there were a lot of you know highs and lows and a lot of players getting their chances to go up to the big club and guys making memorable um, having memorable seasons here in the AHL so anything that really sticks out or jumps out at you that you kind of want to highlight and focus on no nothing nothing happened this season (laughs) um no you know what um we saw we saw a lot of growth uh from a lot of different players in different stages of their career too um we saw that the young guys take those important first steps and we saw some of the more veteran players or maybe not veteran the way to say it with how young the moose club was overall even with some of the guys that have a couple of seasons of experience but i mean you you saw guys hit new heights in their ahl careers some of them spending a little more time in the league or uh finding new offensive of push put into different roles with the club and uh, and making the most of it so uh, i was interesting in that way and uh, we got to see just another season of uh that fun defensive core again for the moose uh, with especially with those tr- that trio of skilled defensemen and saw some newcomers add to that with dean stewart uh, ashton sotner and of course the the venerable jimmy olini uh, login time and uh, of course under newcomers uh, we'll be talking to him in a bit with tyrell bauer but um certainly a- another fun season for that defense core but uh, overall, I mean, it was an AHL season that uh, it, you saw a lot of the hallmarks of that. You saw the mistakes happen. You saw guys learn from those mistakes. And then as the season 
season goes on, uh, develop and learn from that. So it was uh, it was an interesting season to be sure, and uh, another fun fun one to be uh, along the way. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, just the the development we saw from some of the players. I mean, even from last year, you see guys like Henry Neekin and Daniel Torgerson, just name a couple who get into their first couple of, you know, American Hockey League games, first couple of games over in North America, period, and just see how they've adjusted and grown into the game as well. I mean, that that was so fun to see as well. And then, then of course, just the fun of the regular season. There were so many exciting games, so many exciting results, and then um, the playoffs as well. Lots of lots of crazy games there at Canada Life Center at Panther Arena as well. So um, overall, it was a fun season. Looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Well, and you know, it, it's it's amazing how these Jets prospects who come over get an opportunity to, and we'll talk about that with uh, with Zinger and, and Mark Morrison, but you know, these guys who get an opportunity to grow in with the team a little bit and gain that familiarity being here in Winnipeg. So the Danny Jilkins, the Dimitri Kuzmans, the uh, Nikita Chipikovs, because People don't realize, like, I think we take for granted being here, obviously, being from or not necessarily from Winnipeg, Daniel, but but being here in Manitoba on a permanent basis, you take for granted what it's like to be here regularly. And then when you have guys who have to come over here, you just think, okay, it's an easy adjustment. But these are young kids who are having to come over here and learn a new culture. And sure, it's easier. We talked about it with Daniel Torgerson. We talked about it with Henry Nicken. And when you have guys in the organization who can kind of, you know, guide you down that path so the a lot of Swedish guys, a lot of Finnish guys, but it's still an adjustment. And sometimes we don't, we take that for granted. And Torgerson and Nickenen, I think are two good examples who came last year and they actually, unlike the three I mentioned just previously, the three Jets draft picks, these guys got an opportunity to play some games, including playoff games for the Moose. So that really helped integrate them. And that was a word I used a lot. I thought in the end of season media availability, probably too much, but I think it was a, a really important word because it is something that this group does so well. Yeah, and you talk about making that adjustment and watching guys make that adjustment for a long time, going all the way back to, to the uh, major junior days. So it, it's it's a big change, especially and talking about when you come over, when a player comes over from Europe in major junior, they have that billet family to kind of help them integrate, to kind of take care of them a little bit and work them through along with their teammates. When you come over in pro, it's not that you don't have a billet family to take care of you. Uh, so not only are you moving far away from home, you got to learn a lot on the fly. And um, there's different ways of doing things in different countries, whether it's Canada to the U.S. or Sweden to Canada, Finland to Canada, things like that. So even things like banking, it's, I mean, you take it for granted, but that can be an adjustment. And that uh, that takes up a lot of headspace. And now you've got a guy, instead of just uh, focusing on what's going on on the ice, he's got to focus a lot on what's going on off the ice as well. So that's a big adjustment. We've seen some guys go through it. And this year it was the case for Henry Neekin and Daniel Torgerson, Oscar Salmon, and uh, guys like that that uh, had to go through. And, and we've talked to players over the last few years. Dave, you've heard it multiple times, just how much that can weigh on players and how much how important it is when they get into their second season that they're feeling a lot more comfortable and like you said getting over a little early uh can help with that adjustment and uh, really kind of kickstart things because they're they know where things are in the city they know what's going on a little bit and uh so that that's definitely valuable but uh, i think we saw some of those players once they were able to make that adjustment to life off the ice that they were able to get more comfortable on the ice throughout the season well, and Austin, you know, one of the things I want to ask you, because you're, you're, I'm not going to say you're a lot younger than Daniel and I, but you're younger than, than the two of us. And you, you are very, you, you're very familiar with the team. They, these guys treat you like uh like you're almost like a member of the team. I'm not saying they don't do the same for Dan, but, but I'm just saying that you have a, you're more close in agent to a lot of these players. And I think you get a chance to see how that sort of integration goes. Cause I, to be honest with you, you're a good example. They've integrated you almost and, and Anthony Fusco, who of course we have to mention, but, but, 
you they really have integrated you as a part of it. So what is it about this group that just does it? And again, I, I'm not using it saying that they are completely unique because I don't really have that basis to tell you what other organizations do. But from my perspective, as someone who's outside the organization looking in, it just seems like they do such a good job year after year of doing that for these groups. Yeah, I mean, you, you could even go back to the bubble season back in the 2020-2021 season. I mean, the, the only people that the guys in the ring could see are themselves. I mean, the guys really weren't able to go out uh, too far and see anybody else really outside of the rink and the facility. And a lot of those guys um, still carried over onto this team. I'm talking, you know, guys like Jeff Malott, uh, Jimmy Olney, obviously. Some of those guys that are, you know, staples in that room and guys who are, you know, obviously pretty pretty frequent doing media with us as well and very, you know, generous with their time as well when they talk to us but those guys really are able to just bring almost anybody into the room and, and just sort of make them feel like that they're part of that moose family and then when you have that openness and that easiness of just you know coming from one room to another it, it just makes things so much easier getting guys like climatized to like we said games in in north america and just the city of winnipeg as a whole and and life as uh, living on your own as a pro hockey player so i i mean i think it just starts with the room and that obviously uh leads into the culture that you know the, the moose uh, hockey off staff has built as well yeah, and I, and I think, you know, you see it from Jimmy Olney out. And even the way he, he you know, Jimmy Olney's named the, is it the Yannick Dupree? I don't want to get the name wrong, but I think it's the Yannick Dupree AHL Man of the Year this year and at the end of the season on the final road trip. And you could just see how he didn't want to make it about him. He wanted to make it about the team. And that just goes to show you the kind of leader Jimmy Olney is. But it really wasn't, and, you know, I, we watched the video that you guys put out in terms of, like, how it was, it was like he didn't even know what it was, right? It was just, they all thought it was a video uh, session on the road. And yet it turns out to be this, this significant award that he's been up for before, but now he wins and becomes, of course, the second winner in Moose history after, of course, Jimmy Roy. So if you want to win, your name needs to be Jimmy. But, <laughs> but the fact is that, you know, that it just goes to show you like how it starts with him and it filters all the way down throughout the guys. Yeah, I liked what Jeff Malott said about, uh, about Jimmy during his yeah. uh, media availability that uh, he's all about service. Mm-hmm whether that's to the community, to his teammates, things like that. So when when you have your leadership group, and, uh, and Mark Morrison's talked about it many times, about how it's not just one player either. It's it's about the the group that built uh, that culture. It's It was even guys who aren't here anymore, whether it's uh, a Johnny Kovacevic who's moved on to a different organization and uh, along with guys like that, Jeff Malott, Cole Meyer, um, and, and that group that... Uh, really came together the last couple of seasons. It kind of started with that COVID season, really built in last season with some of the more veteran players that got brought in. And uh, they really did facilitate such a such a strong core group of, of values of culture. And that really helped along the way to, to get to where we are now with this group that uh, any guy that comes in, it's, it's all about just everybody comes over to have a, a quick chat. New guy shows up everybody's there to kind of help them through, get them welcomed in. And, and like you said, lots of hockey teams are like that. They make sure that everybody feels welcome, but multiple times we've heard from players coming in that it's at a different level with the moose. And I think that's something that whether it's the coaching staff, the players, uh, the organization can be really proud of. Well, and just quickly, you know, I, one theory, and I don't know if I'm right about this, but I do think it's the environment as well. I think that in, in other environments where you have, a million options. And, I, and I'm not one of those people who, who dumps on Winnipeg because I love it here. But when you have a million other options to do, you know, you maybe tend to not stick together as a team as, as much. And I feel like maybe that works in the, in the moose favor because these guys do spend a lot of time. Maybe they choose to anyways, but I don't know if maybe that sort of opportunity 
to be together. I mean, it's like, it's like your, your Catan tournament, that sort of thing. Like those sorts of things that you guys see that the team does and that closest. But again, like I said, that's behind the scenes. We wouldn't see that normally. We're not, we're not privy to that. So I think that's sort of what I'm saying like, in terms of maybe that's the reason why this group, again, also you have to be welcoming, you have to be accommodating, but I think that wonder how the environment factors in. Yeah, of course. I mean, these guys are so open with, you know, guys that are coming in, whether it's guys who are here on a, you know, a PTO for a couple of games or guys who have been sent back from the Winnipeg Jets. Guys are just opening and welcoming in that room. And like you said, there is a lot of that bonding on the road, whether it be playing Catan tournaments at all hours of the night or, you know, just doing whatever uh, back here at home. But um, yeah, th this group has been very accommodating with each other and very open with each other. And it, it does help breed, I mean, camaraderie and, you know, connections on the ice as well. If you have a tight group like that, um, it obviously leads to some success as well. All right. Well, we've we've kept the head coach of the Manitoba Moose waiting long enough. It's time to bring in head coach Mark Morrison here on the end of season roundtable. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. You've had a few weeks since your, your season came to a conclusion. So uh, maybe just some thoughts now that you've had it time to digest. It's always hard that end of season. We've talked to you. It's two days. It's still raw when the season ends. And now you've had some time to to reflect on it. So what's your your thoughts on the season as a whole? Well, uh, two weeks, uh, it still, it still stings a little bit, uh, you know, the last goal on you, but, uh, overall, uh, good season. I mean, we've had our exit interviews with everybody and, um, I think, uh, we played a lot of, a lot of good hockey games where, you know, we played it. We won a lot of one goal games that we were, you know, pressured to win. And we had all the guys had to, had to make sure that they were given a hundred percent. So we had a lot of nights like that where we really had to work hard to, to win hockey games. Um, I think for the most part, uh, most of the players took a step uh, forward, uh, you know, in their development process, whether it's an AHL or uh, an NHL contract or an ECHL contract where everyone's at different levels. But I think the majority of them, if not all of them took a step uh, towards having a, a better career. Well, and is that one of the things that, that, I mean, to me, the testament to the group was that there was a never say die attitude. So whether you were down a goal or two, which obviously you wouldn't want to be, but if you were it, it to me, and again, from an outside observer, it seemed like there was a no quit and these guys were always pushing back to get back into hockey games. Yeah. And I, you know, I, that's true. And I think a lot of that is how we had to play. Uh, we, we had to play like that to squeeze as many points out as we could, whether it was, uh, a tie or, or taking it into overtime or getting the win at the end. Um, and there was a lot of times we came in the room too, we lost by a goal. Uh, but the belief was always there with this group. And, and it was right down to the, to the very last game we played when you see it's one, nothing. And we score with uh, a couple minutes to go in the game there and uh, unfortunate, but uh, it, it went right down to the last game, the kind of uh, belief they had in themselves to, that they could come back from anything. Mark, every season's going to be different. Each team's going to have its own identity. What kind of stands out to you from this 22-23 uh, club? Well, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I heard you guys earlier talking about the leadership group, and um, one of the things that started this season, which I, I really didn't, I don't think I had a, a strong sense of, of how it was going to play out when we lost uh, C.J., season Johnny Kovacevic and and Gustafson um, those three guys were big pieces of the dressing room so I didn't know how that was going to play out and I, I think one of the things that 
was proud of is some of those guys it, it had to get pulled out of them. Um, we also didn't have Jimmy Olinney in the, in the dressing room because he was injured. So uh, we had guys step up like uh, Malott stepped up, Chisholm stepped up, Toninato stepped up, um, Sautner. These guys all had some leadership in them, but they had to use it now. Uh, and they did. So um, I, I think that was special. I think they new leaders uh, took, uh, took on the occasion. Um, some guys from underneath, I thought Hinola got a little bit of uh, leadership uh, lessons to him there. Like I, I thought they learned that way and, and kind of taught themselves uh, what leadership was about. And, you know, that's the way it goes in good dressing rooms. Like, you know, they had it in front of them with Kovacevic and, and CJ and Gustafson and Jimmy to show them the way. And now they got a chance to, to use it. So uh, that's what you want in a dressing room. And now those guys, uh, hopefully uh, the guys coming under them, like Nikanen and Torgerson and Bauer, they, these guys picked up on it. Coach, there's also an interesting opportunity for yourself as well as you got to coach alongside uh, a former player of the Manitoba Moose, Nolan Baumgart. I'm sure a, a name that many Moose fans would know as well. What was that like being able to coach with a new member on the bench as well? And just uh, what was that experience like? Well, it was uh, it was good. Um, you know, Nolan being here before, he knew everybody. And uh, I've, I had only heard uh, great things about him through uh, some of his friends, including Jason King, who who I worked with in, in Newfoundland here, but they, uh, everyone had such good things to say about him, and, uh, they were all true, uh, handles himself real well, uh, builds relationships with, uh, players. He, he gets his point across and, uh, different with everybody. Um, but he works at it and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. And he did a good job for us. You know, Mark, everybody wants to know about the Jets' prospects and wants to know about their taking that step, you know, the next step in their development. Which maybe one or two guys did you see take a step this year uh, of significance uh, that, you know, might have them hold them in good stead for next year and their chance to, to make the jump? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Like, I, I, I thought they had ups and downs, like, uh, you know, Hills, like, uh, Targeson for sure. Uh, I thought he had a slow start. Um you know, getting used to the, getting used to the American hockey league game. Um, but he had a continual, um, trending up, uh, for the whole year. Now fatigue and the grind of the game, uh, got to him a little bit near the end. He admitted that he wasn't used to those, that amount of games and that amount of, of travel and, and everything else. So, uh, he definitely, uh, he definitely took a step for me and in lots of different ways and handling uh, his conditioning off the ice, uh, handling himself, uh, you know, with the other group, with other players, like, um, and so for sure him, uh, Nikonen too. Uh, but Nikki will tell you, I think, uh, the grind, uh, the fatigue really got to him. Uh, I thought he was trending upwards to Christmas, uh, just past Christmas. I think he got, he got injured there slightly and, uh, the grind just wore him down a little bit. He didn't, to me, uh, the back half wasn't as good as the front half, but uh, they both took steps. Um, and then I guess, the, you know, the surprise uh, for me a little bit was Bauer. Um, you know, I, I, he showed that he can play the game. He showed that he can make plays. He, you know, he can make plays uh, under pressure. Um, he just needs to keep continue to get better at it. But uh uh, I think for his first year, I uh, were really happy with what, what he did. 
kind of branching off that mark i wanted to ask you about dean stewart a guy who uh isn't necessarily one of the drafted prospects but came into his first full season in the ahl and was named your rookie of the year for this season so what did you see from his progression throughout the campaign well i, th- I think it was just ice time that that you know he uh he skates real well and uh reads the game real well and uh you know he just got he got an opportunity and and he ran with it uh Anybody that can skate like that, uh, you know, if you if you can skate like that, you 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 got a pretty good start. So I, I he had a great year for us. Um, I think he improved all year long, but uh, uh, he he's got a you know, who knows where he can go with uh, with how he skates. Uh, another player that came in near the end of the season was Parker Ford. He of course had just come off a season with Providence, and then it seemed like he also continued to develop as that sort of season went on. He had just come off obviously playing a full year of NCAA hockey, but then he just sort of seemed to dip his toes into the AHL level and then just continue to get more confident, especially in the playoffs where we saw him on that line as well, just seeing the chip away at guys uh, almost every shift. Just he, he's a guy who's also of course on a Winnipeg Jets contract. So what can you say about him? Well. Uh... Real good. Uh, a lot of good things to say about him. You know, like has a lot of energy, um, real good kid, fit in with the group real well, a little bit quiet, but you know, he just got there. So um, I, I, I thought he fit in well. I, I love his compete. Um, and when you compete like that, you can learn the rest of it. I, he thought things were moving a little faster here than they were in, in college as far as being able to make plays. Uh, but I do see that in him. Uh, so I, uh, you know, it'll be a different year for him next year. But the big thing is, is that he got over here and got his foot in. And like you guys were talking about earlier, like it's such an important thing to go back home now and train, knowing what you're up against and, you know, be ready for it. So uh, he'll, he'll, he learned a lot, I think, from his uh, 12 games that he that he played. You know, Mark, when you're, when you're a coach, a head coach, you're not just worrying about the X's and O's and wins and losses. You kind of almost have to be a little bit of a counselor sometimes. And, and when a guy goes through waivers, when a guy passes through waivers and you get him back, you know, he's thinking he might not be in the most positive frame of mind. So what is it like for you to, do you have to speak to him? Do you have to have a conversation with him and say, listen, like there's still an opportunity here for you to, to show what you can do and get to that next level. And then you have examples, Johnny Kovacevic, Mikey Esimod, who went on to get claimed. And then of course do big things up in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. Those conversations go on and, and I'm going to be direct here with it, but I'm not this direct when I'm talking to a player. Uh, they have no other choice. You've got to come down and work um, to find your way. Like you can't sulk about it or or not work hard. You got to come down. There's only one way to get around this. And those examples that you just said, Johnny Kovacevic and and Mikey Esamon are are two great examples of what happened to guys that came down and just worked, you know, and got their game better. So uh, they have to realize that they got sent down because somebody else beat them out of a job basically. And so they got to get better. And that's the message to them. It's handled a little bit, uh, a little bit lighter than that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's, that's basically the message. Well, I mean, Dave keeps teaming me up here with these questions. So looking at those guys, we mentioned to Johnny, mentioned Mikey, uh, Kevin Stenland played the rest of the season with the Jets. Uh, what's it mean to you to see those guys get that opportunity and, uh, over the last couple of years, I mean, you've graduated lots of players. Dylan Sandberg's another one. Didn't see him this year, but obviously played the whole year with the Jets. So what's it mean to you to see those guys get that opportunity at the next level? I love it. I mean, that's why uh, that's why I coach here. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's about uh, helping guys get to the, get to the NHL. Um, and it's about helping guys uh, have good American League careers too. So, 
Um, I think it's important, uh, you know, when you get a text message from somebody uh, like Mikey, uh, a text message there when he signed his contract uh, with Tampa and um, had positive things to say about the organization and the team for thanking the team for helping him. And um, that's what means the most. On the flip side of that too, Mark, I mean, you got guys like Jansen Harkins and Dominic Toninato, two guys who, you know, have NHL experience and have spent a little bit of time in the NHL. They're obviously sent down on the moose and, you know, while at the same time they might not be happy, like you said, but they still have a job to do and a leadership job at that almost at some point. Just when they get sent down, what's their attitude like and how did you see that develop as the year went on as well? Yeah, well, everybody handles it differently. You know, all the players handle it differently and uh, some are more upset than others and, uh, others find their way quicker, but uh, in, in regards to Tone and Addo, um, I I don't know if there's a uh, I don't know if I've come across a better uh, pro hockey player than than this guy. And when I say pro, I mean just do all the right things and say the right things at the right times. Like, uh, yeah, I I don't have there was no issues with him. He came down and worked and and knew what he had to do and did a great job. Um, Harks. Uh, not exactly the same, but he, you know, he, he had some issues when he first came, but he certainly worked them all out. Uh, and, and his game changed a little bit. I thought like he, he's a very skilled guy and he can do a lot on his own. And I, I think he started to use his teammates and become a better player. Um, I think, I think he's a better player now than he was when he first came down. And um, I, I really think he's, I think he's an NHL player. This guy, he, he puts up points. Uh, you just, needs to continue to play the right way and, and he'll find his way, but um, he's a good hockey player. Mark, when, when you're working on the systems and you, know, the Jets and, and the Moose try and work it. So obviously, so when a player goes up, uh, they're going to be able to be familiar and there's no, it should be seamless, I guess is, is what I'm getting going for. How much consultation do you have throughout the course of the season? Or is that something you really just work on in training camp and then you keep it going? And then the only other question I have is, is when your penalty killer power play, are exceeding the Jets? Are they getting upset with you because you have a top five power play and a top ten PK? Yeah, those those systems aren't the same. Uh, I don't think they're not mad at us, but those those systems aren't the same on the power play and the PK. Right. Those are run, but there still is, you know, there's still communication where things are shared by assistant coaches to assistant coaches, and uh, you know, like through Bones and I, Scotty Arneal and I, Marty Johnson, of course, you know, like. Uh, we haven't in there. So there, there is, the systems are the same. And when they make a change or they tweak mm -hmm. the system, then we know about it. Um, and it's up to us to, to tweak it too and make sure that uh, things are on the same page. Uh, it is one very important thing, uh, you know, with the movement up and down where uh, players don't have to uh, go, in a, go in a coach's room uh, before their first NHL game and talk systems for two hours. Uh, they just want the player to come and play, you know, seam seamlessly and, and just go out and play, uh, knowing everything. So um, I think that's uh, that's important and, and that'll continue. Last one for me here, Mo. I mean, we were talking about before you came on all the young guys that uh, spent some time with the team ahead of the, the playoffs or into the playoffs and obviously saw Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius with the team earlier on in the season. There's potential to have a very young crew next year, obviously, things shake out the way they do not sure how it all plays out over the off season that's one of the joys of the american hockey league you not necessarily know who you're going to get until you get them um but uh is it almost exciting to have that possibility to have those young prospects especially up front i think so i mean it's 
at the end of the day, that's, that's why I wanted this job is to work with prospects and, uh, you know, we've had one or two here and there and, you know, the ones in the back end there like Chisholm and Gawanki and Hinola, they were here before I got here. So, um, the work's been done there with those guys, but yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting and, uh, they're legitimate prospects that are coming in these guys. I mean, uh, we got a chance to see Lambert the other night playing center ice and already we start thinking like, Oh, maybe, maybe that's where he's going to play for the moose. Uh, who knows? Well, Mark, it's, uh, I believe, four, th- four years here now in Winnipeg, uh, obviously in the organization longer because you were with them with the ice caps. But maybe just uh, some reflections now on, on four years here, you know, two years in the beginning and two years now. Uh, I would say it's been, uh, it's been real enjoyable. The, uh, it's, been, it's been great. Like, the, the staff have been great. Uh, the people we work with are great. Every day we go to the rink. Um, I don't know about Finker here. Sometimes he gets it wrong, <laughs> but... Uh, for the most part, uh, the staff is excellent. Uh, they do a great job. Management does a great job putting a great staff together, and uh, it's enjoyable coming to the rink every day. Um, you know, it's I don't take for granted that uh, I, I get to come to the ice rink and work. Um, so it's it's been great. Um, kind of uh, fit into the community a little bit more now. Like, we used to always live downtown. We've got a little house here now, and, and uh, in the community, it seems to, be, uh, seems to be a lot better. How soon before you're fishing again on the West Coast, though? Uh, that's going to be in about a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, have a, have a safe travels out West and uh, thanks very much for, for joining us and for uh, you know, your availability throughout the course of the season. Okay. And thanks you. Thank you too, for all your uh, support throughout the year. I mean, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's important and it, it brings uh, some positive uh, reaction to to our club. So uh, thanks for that. Okay. Thanks Mark. Appreciate it. Talk again soon. There he goes. That's Mark Morrison, the head coach of the Manitoba Moose. And uh, straight goods. That's one of the things you get with Mark Morrison. He's not a sugar coater. He gives, he gives you the straight goods. He tells you what he's thinking. And that's uh, it's good for, for young players. Good for media. If you make a mistake, he tells you. And he lets you know. And it's not a bad thing. Maybe we should uh, take our first break. We've been doing some uh, good chatting, boys. And we'll do a little break. I don't even know which commercial I'm supposed to be running. I'll have to check. Let's see. Should we do Saturday commercials? Should we do post-game show commercials? I didn't make special... Uh, end of season commercials. I will say I saw a lot of chatter going on in yes. the chat about AHL TV. Well worth it. Uh, it's great product. And uh, whether you get the full season pass or just the away pass, if you're uh, coming to games, it's uh, it's a great investment if you want to watch those prospects play. And uh, if you want to listen to yours truly yell at you for two and a half hours. I was going to say, if you want to listen to Daniel Fink, then that's an opportunity, I think is what Daniel's trying to say. Well, we'll let's do the, uh, we'll do the... We'll do the Saturday commercials. We'll keep it a little shorter here. All right, boys and girls, thanks very much. You're listening to the end of season roundtable on the Manitoba Moose uh, with hosted by Illegal Curve. Welcome back to the end of season roundtable here on hosted by Illegal Curve. I can't call it the Illegal Curve show. So I got two thirds of the Moose guys with me and not no uh, no other Illegal Curve bozos other than myself. So I can't quite call it that. But you are uh, listening to the end of season roundtable. We just had chatted with head coach. Mark Morrison. Always enjoy our chat with Mark. And uh, I think first of our guests that on today's show will be first year pro Tyrell Bauer coming on, coming in hot from, uh, I don't know where he's coming in hot from. Maybe I'm going to assume maybe somewhere either Alberta or maybe he went to Seattle to see his Seattle Thunderbirds. So we're not sure where he's coming. Where are you coming in from Ty? Hey Dave, thanks for having me. Finger Goose, good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, reporting from Calgary right now. 
Um, might make the trip down, might not. Game time decision, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you did spend four years in Seattle. The Seattle Thunderbirds, of course, currently with a, a stranglehold of a 3-1 lead on the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL Championship. So before we even start talking about the Moose, how proud are you of the guys that you battled with for so many years uh, with the pivot, you know, uh, on the on the cusp of, of claiming the championship? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always a, a special feeling. You know, I've played with those guys, a lot of those guys for a long time. Coaching staff is more or less the same. So um, it does give you a sense of, of pride knowing that uh, you are right there with them. We got close last year, and uh, it's exciting that they have a good chance at sealing the deal this year. Well, let's let's focus on your year because uh, you just finished your first year as a pro, and now you've had a couple of weeks since the season ended to reflect on on what it's like. And we we're just talking about with, the, with your head coach, and it's it's hard when we have those end of season media availabilities. They're two days. You just finished the playoffs. It's still raw. Mark said it's still raw for him just two weeks later. So maybe it still is that way for you. But now that you've had a little bit of time to digest, what what are your thoughts on your first year as a pro here in Winnipeg? Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know what, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't know what to expect coming in, but the group was fantastic from, oh, that's all the way from management uh, down to the rest of the rookie group, right? So um, everybody just made me feel welcome. Uh, the older guys, I could lean on the coaches for anything I needed. Um, obviously, there's a lot of learning throughout the year, um, which I think is completely natural, but uh, with that, with the help of the coaches and the support of the teammates, you know, I think we were able to make good strides. And Ty, I mean, when you look at this season, what would you say is the area of your game that's improved the most? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to pinpoint one because when you come up to a new new level, everything everything improves. So um, it's your job to you might feel like you're just trying to keep up at the beginning, and then eventually you might feel like you're able to stand in there and, and push pace a little bit. Um, if I had to pick one, you know, I think from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, a puck movement got a lot better. Um, it's always a thing. Me and Doobie are talking about it all the time. Just get the puck into the forwards hands. You know, uh, we talk about the NHL, how, how fast it, the game moves up there and you have even less time and space. So um, that would probably be the one. Yeah. Ty, you talk about learning the pro game. How cool is it to get a you know an up close look at what Jimmy Olney does on and off the ice as well? I mean, he's obviously the AHL man of the year, but you also got to see what he does on the ice. What was it like to learn from him this season? Yeah, so much. You can learn so much from Jim. Um, like you said, first and foremost, AHL man of the year. I mean, that's a very prestigious award, uh, especially in my eyes too. It just shows what he does, not only for the team, but also what he does in the community. And um, that's a very we all feel a sense of accomplishment from that, knowing that we had the privilege to be around that this year. Um, in terms of on the ice and in the gym, like he was injured for the for the first majority of the season, and he was there before all of us, and he was there after we left. So um, we always saw him working and, and really trying to get back from that injury. Um, even with all the experience he has, he never he never let up, and he kept wanting to push forward and do that on the ice. I mean, we we get along fine out there. Uh, you know, we play, some might think, a, a similar game. And and just being able to, for him to kind of take me under his wing and, and show me kind of what it takes to be successful at the pro hockey level uh, went a long way this year. 
Ty, uh, any any moments stand out for you that you'd say, wow, that was like a significant event as a pro. You scored your first goal as a pro. Of course, I think you had two goals this season. And I, in, if I recall correctly, you did your first goal in Calgary. So it was uh, probably in front of friends and family. That was probably pretty pretty nice for you. But is there something, yeah. maybe that was it, but maybe there was something else that stood out to you as, as a real memorable moment as your first year as a pro? Um, I mean, there, there's... <laughs> there's a lot of moments in your first year that, you know, you can remember and that especially you'll, you'll look back on and you'll enjoy. Um, one of them, definitely a goal, uh, especially being in front of my hometown there. That was a lot of fun. I think in, uh, I don't want to sound off, off beat here, but my, my second fight against Giovanni Smith uh, in Grand Rapids was, was kind of a turning point for me. And, and it's not the action of, of fighting. Granted, that was part of it. Um, but it was just knowing that, you know, you can hang in there with guys. Um, and it kind of gave you a step, of, a step of confidence and and not only for that side of the game, but just everything in general, kind of just understanding there's kind of a point where you say, okay, well maybe, maybe I can play with these guys and maybe I can start to push pace a little bit. So um, that was kind of that weekend, that weekend in general, not just the moment, but that weekend in general was kind of a turning point for me. And how important is that confidence? I mean, once you start to kind of get your feet wet in the league and whether it's uh, dropping the gloves, like you were saying, being kind of a spark point or getting that first goal, you start to feel that comfort, that confidence. Does that really let you kind of take the next steps along? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And it goes deeper than, than just on ice too. You know, when you come in as a young guy, you have a whole new coaching staff, you have a whole new group of guys um, being one of the younger guys, if not the youngest by the end of the year on the team. So um it takes a little while just to just to learn and start to gel with the guys and um it's nothing to be concerned about at the start it just comes in due time so when when all that kind of comes together you start to feel a little bit better on the ice start to feel a little more confident you're getting into more games you're playing um as the season goes on so i think it just it's one big snowball that that starts as small and builds its way up towards the end of the year we just talked about with Mo, you know, how tight this room is and how, you know, inclusive it is and whatever there's new guys coming in, how quickly they're able to get, you know, climatized to Winnipeg and, and that dressing room as well there. What was that like for you too as a new guy coming in? How quickly did you feel like you were a part of that team and, you know, just able to go out there and battle with the guys? Yeah, yeah, quickly. I mean, like I said, a lot of new, a lot of new things coming in. And even if it was something as little as, hey, like, where do you go shopping for groceries or, um, you know, just little intimate details of, of day-to-day life that kind of translates into the room and then eventually onto the ice. And everybody knows, you know, the closer the team is, the more success you'll have. Um, and the older guys, I mean, everybody just got along and helping you out, helping you find your game, helping you find how to get into the rink the first couple of days. Right. Like, so it, it was really good, and and I can't thank the guys enough for that. You know, Ty, are you are you the kind of person who goal sets in in advance of a season? Are you the kind of person who says, you know, this is what I'm intending on doing, or is that something you work on through conversation with the with the coaching staff? And they say, hey, we expect you to play X number of games, or we expect sort of this sort of goal that they'll kind of work on with you. Right, uh, both. I think I think a lot of us, if not most of us, will set goals prior to prior to any season. We have benchmarks we want to hit for ourselves. Um, and with that, the coaches also have an expectation of you and what they want to see from you on the ice. And, and granted, both of those are constantly changing as you get more climatized and as things kind of play themselves out. But um, 
yeah, I do have goals, and and we did go over some with the coaches as well. So what's the plan for the summer here? What's uh, what's got to be the the key for you to kind of uh, take that next step when you get back in for your second pro season? Yeah, put the nose to the grindstone. I mean, this is where we get to get to shape our game here. Um, it's a really exciting time of year after you after you take a little break. Uh, the rest of summer is is up to you, and you get to choose what you want to do, and you can kind of start to mold different areas of your game. So. Um, We'll get into specifics, I guess, a little bit later, but uh, just hard work and and get ready and be ready for next season coming in in shape and have a good year. One of the things that we talked about a little bit was the idea of benefiting from playing with other guys. And you're with a lot of guys, Leon, Declan, Villy, who are all looking to take that next step, jump into that NHL role. How much learning did you do from those guys in terms of both you know skill set, but also in terms of like looking at realizing that hockey takes time, especially as a defenseman to get to that next level and, and ultimately jump to the jets. Yeah. Yeah. You can learn a lot. I mean, you look at those guys and whether they've already played some games or whether they're really close um, regardless, they're dominant defensemen in the American hockey league and, and they're, they are very close to making the NHL. So you can learn how they conduct themselves, uh, how they approach each day. Uh, you know, of the three, you just mentioned they're, they play, you know, they, they have skill sets that maybe aren't as developed on my side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all offensive guys and, and can move the puck really well and, and create offense. So I, I watch from that lens as well and and seeing how they're doing that. So I can, you know, start to grow that into my game and and hopefully take the next steps there. So seeing those guys and, and seeing how close they are and how they approach every day and uh, you just learn. You can learn a whole lot. You can just kind of be a sponge and, and, and soak it up. Well, you talk about learning. What did you learn about living in Winnipeg for uh, for a full year? Yeah, living on your own. Um, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I'm I've never had a problem with the snow. Being from Calgary, to <laughs> me, hockey's supposed to be played in the snow. So um, I kind of liked it. I, I hadn't been in a colder climate in a, in a couple of years. I was playing down on the west coast in Seattle there, so it was kind of nice to get back in a into what feels like hockey and, and home for me. So, okay, we'll let you go on this one. Does Seattle pull it out in game uh, game five? <laughs> they're not stopping. I can tell you that. They're they're not settling until the job's done. So um, I think they, they're they looking pretty good. And how good, answer, good answer, Ty. Good answer. Thank you well on that one. We're gonna we're gonna go on if now if they are able to get past Winnipeg, do you see them as a good good chance to uh, be a Memorial Cup champion? Likewise, this team they have they have a drive in them, and they've had their sights set on on something bigger all year. So uh, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna be stopped, and and good luck to the ones who who do. So. All right, there we go. Headline, Tyrell Bauer predicts Seattle rolls over everyone. <laughs> easy, easy. No, All right, Tyrell, we, we appreciate Okay, well, we appreciate you. Uh, he was far too careful with his words there I know. for you to use that as I know. I was, like, I was like, he's worried. I'm like, there's no headlines here. We're not looking for headlines. It's that's all good. I'm just curious about opinion. That's, media tr- that's some great media <laughs> training right there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where he learned it, but it was great media training. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ty. We really appreciate you joining us uh, now and obviously during the year. And we'll uh, we'll have you have a great summer, and we'll see you next year here back in Winnipeg. Yeah, great. It was it was great to get to know you guys throughout the year, and uh, thanks for having me on. We'll see each other soon enough. 
Sounds good. Take care. There he goes. That's Tyrell Bauer, the Jets draft pick, who is a big six foot five right shot defenseman uh, who uh, wasn't afraid to mix it up uh, on the ice. And, and he really earned a lot of a lot of respect. And Tico Napoli, who's in the chat, he is ecstatic. He was wearing his Tyrell Bauer Jets jersey, actually, at the event that was on Tuesday night with 200 plus folks who showed up uh, for the Kenny and Rennie thing. And uh, and Tyrell and Tico Napoli was there. Uh, proudly representing his Tyrell Bauer uh, jersey, so he was he was excited. Although it wasn't a Moose jersey, it was a Jets jersey, so he was future projecting for for Ty. But that we uh, great that we had him on, and uh, you can see, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. Obviously, we know Leon is signed in the DEL for the next four years, so that's another opportunity for Ty to get more ice time and get more chances to become a, an everyday AHLer, and then eventually get his chance to be where he wants to be, which is of course in the NHL. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at uh, what he accomplished this season, and Mark Morrison talked about this in in his uh, exit day interview, that uh, at a certain point it got real hard to take him out of the lineup, and the Moose certainly did have uh, a bit of a backlog back there of defense, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, they could put in whoever they needed to to fit the situation, but uh, you know what, so you certainly pushed for his spot, and uh, opened some eyes maybe this year, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see where he goes next season. Austin, any final thoughts? No, I mean, like Finker said, I mean, it, it was such a it's 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 obviously tough coming in for your first year of junior as well. Obviously, I mean, you don't really know what to expect um, at the pro level, but like he mentioned too, he's got so many guys in that locker room he can learn from. Jimmy Olney, obviously, mm-hmm. showing him that work ethic as well. So, uh, a good development year for Ty. Excited to see what he does this summer, and uh, we'll see him back here in the fall. Well, our next guest isn't for a few more minutes. That'll be Declan Chisholm. But, you know, Daniel, one of the things that I think folks were really excited to to talk about throughout the course of this Moose year, and as folks know, I put out a lot of Moose content, whether it's Manuk Moose Minutes, which tend to be, it was a minute, but Drew, as Drew and as he learned, it would not be just a minute. It would be minutes that I would spend talking about the Moose. But uh, one of the things that really seemed to gather a lot of attention were your overtime calls, your goal calls. So, uh uh, any any want to any fondly uh, anything you want to look back on fondly and uh, reflect on as your best goal call from the season? Mm, so that's what's like on being spot. on the other side of these questions. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think uh, just the, the excitement in game two of the playoffs, and now I cringe every time I hear it because my voice cracked a couple of times. But um, when it just things were things were pretty dire. Things were looking pretty grim for the Moose going down two games on home ice uh, against a very good Milwaukee team, and then uh, Cole Meyer scores that goal, and the place erupts. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the overtime winner very quickly into OT. I think that was that that really stands out as just being. Uh, every, everything just kind of came together and uh, with the, the crowd just so engaged and and so electric and obviously uh, a big goal for for two guys who uh, played over 200 games for the organization in, in Meyer and Harkins so um, or 200 games for the Moose specifically uh, mm-hmm. that was that was pretty cool to see them get those moments and uh, I think that's that's really what's going to stand out for me now maybe that's some recency bias but uh it was uh, it was certainly a lot of fun, and then I, I think that uh, the night the Moose clinched their playoff spot as well. That was 
or, or really any game that the Texas Stars and the Manitoba Moose played each other. It was always a wild time, but uh, that, w- that was a lot of fun as well. Yet Leon Gavonka set the new franchise record that night. Uh, obviously, Harkins gets the big game winner again. He was so clutch this year. So uh, that, those, those were a couple of games that stand out. Yeah, one. For, I mean, that's a great one there, Finker, too. The, the Texas ones are always so much fun. And then uh, one that stands out for me, too, is kind of fun was um, Dominic Toninato had recently just had his daughter and was able to bring her out to her first game. And then um, Dominic scores this awesome goal, awesome celebration with uh, you know, his partner and his daughter in the stands. I mean, what a moment that was for him. He joked that he needed to bring her out to, to more games. Like, we'll see if that happens <laughs> next season. But um, what a moment that must have been for him to to score that goal with uh, some family in the crowd as well. I mean, that was so much fun. So many moments, I mean, you could really you pick from. But uh, uh, I think we listed off a couple of good ones there for sure. Well, and, you know, one of the things I was going to say, you know, when you speak about the moments and for the Moose, I mean, they're, you guys are so involved in the community. And I think that sometimes, you know, it gets lost. But I think, you know, as a pro hockey organization you're you're interested in developing players but you're also interested in in being part of that community and and we saw it in whether it was a specialty jerseys or even um you know mentioning uh silent mission like i was talking we were talking to was it torgerson or nick and then one of the two was mentioning how it was impactful might not actually sorry it was actually sorry wrong simon lundmark simon lundmark 2019 second rounder of the jets he talked about how impactful it was to go to the silent mission and, and help there. So, I mean, that, that's something else that I think is important to, 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 you know, recognize when we talk about Jamie Olney and his involvement in the community, it is the organization's, I don't want to say mantra, but it is a big part of this organizational um, expectation, I think, is being part of this community. Well, yeah, and I think that was one of the things that was so special about this season is that we got to get back to doing that. Right. And while the community involvement didn't stop, it was all... Uh, over zoom or mm-hmm. through uh, various digital means or um from 20 feet away on a stage things like <laughs> that but i mean it kicked off great we we're back at fan fest and uh and things like that and then of course you mentioned silo mission which is something that we hadn't been able to do in a few years and then things like going out for for stick to reading to be in the schools and 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 get out there with the kids see them face to face get to have that interaction again it was uh at times almost a little emotional to see that because it, it, again, it was just something that was missing for the past couple of seasons. So uh, to get back out there to have the autograph alleys after games and really, again, that's, that's one thing that the AHL is, is so great at is just being accessible and, uh, and being able to have that, that FaceTime really with players and fans and, and out in the community. So that was, that was great to get back to again this season. Well, we're not going to keep uh, an AHL all-star waiting, so let's get uh, Declan Chisholm here in the chat right away. Declan, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on here. Thanks for joining us. This, uh, was I was going to say sunny afternoon. It's not so sunny here in Winnipeg, but it's warm, so that's all that really matters. Uh, how are you doing? I mean, you've had a couple of weeks now to digest the end of the, your season. Um, you know, you've spent, I think this is your third season now here in Winnipeg. So what's, what's, what are your thoughts now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on the season that was? Um, yeah, just, uh, again, I thought we had a great season. Um, we were in that first place race for a while, probably halfway point, uh, kind of fell off for a little bit, a few months there in February, maybe March. And then, um, due to injuries and stuff, uh, team pushed through it. Um, we got in the playoffs. I think a lot of, a lot of people probably thought we were going to get rolled over by Milwaukee in the playoffs. They were kind of 
um, a star-studded lineup with all those guys going up to the NHL and uh, getting that experience. So they're coming oozing confidence in that series. And I think we went out there and we worked so hard in every game. I mean, they uh, they really realized how much pushback we had. And uh, I think after that first loss, I, I want to say we, we dominated the series for most of the part. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought we did a great job and, of course, just came up short and um, – unfortunate because that's two years in a row against that team and I'm starting to really hate those guys. Well, after 30 games against them fast two seasons too, I can't imagine there's uh, a lot of love lost, but for yourself, you mentioned the injuries late in the season. I mean, you were one of those guys that uh, was on the shelf and uh, can you tell us a little bit about kind of your journey to getting back into playing sheep for the playoffs? Yeah. uh, Just a unlucky bounce. I go down in the corner in Chicago. I don't know how many games were left, maybe like 10 if that, and uh, I've had this injury before and it's just an annoying injury to come back from because the first few weeks you can't even really walk or run or do anything. So you're just trying to stay in shape by doing other stuff, by being in the pool, being on the bike. Um, and then, yeah, I was just grinding with Will, our trainer in the gym every day until the point I could skate. And then me and Keener uh, were on the ice. Yeah, Mike, um, he was just kind of bag skating me every day on the ice. And uh, it was just a just a grind really. Cause you're watching the guys play. You want to be out there so bad. And, um, you know, I took the positives from it though. I mean, you don't really get the chance when you're playing all the time, just to sit back and watch it from a bird's eye view, what you do in the press box at home. And you really get to see a different point of view and, and kind of see mistakes that maybe you're making and, and maybe slow down the game in your own head. Uh, I think that really helped me going back. I had a lot of confidence just watching a lot of hockey and I did a ton of video and, um, maybe those first few games back, I wasn't fully in game shape yet because it does take some games to get under your belt to be in game shape. And then after that, I was kind of just, I felt great and I was just playing some great hockey and I felt really good. Obviously that had to be a frustrating way for you to close out the regular season, but just in sticking with the regular season, what was that like to be selected as an AHL all-star representing the Moose in Laval? Um, you know, getting to see all your family too. I mean, it's, it's tough sometimes for family to come out to some games when you guys are on the road, but to have it so close to, to your hometown, what was it like to not only be selected as an all-star, but to have your family so close and have so many of them come out as well? Um, yeah, it was just an honor to represent the Moose for that all-star thing. We have so many great players and it could have been so many guys on our team. And um, I think that was just a, a great accolade to have. And um, of course, it being so close to home, I had like 20 family members drive out and to have all of them there and not see them throughout the year was great because you really miss them. And um, to see them just su- support me like dude, like kind of like the good old days, like in Peterborough and when I played at home, um, it was really nice to see them. And uh, it kind of just gave me a little boost of energy too out there. And it was just such a fun experience. I mean, that's, that's something you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And um, I'll frame that Jersey and hopefully hang it in my house eventually. You know, Declan, we talk about, making that that progression and 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 seeing your game rise and you seem to have done that every year and in, in your time here as a pro what is it that you were able to gain this year that will make serve you in good stead for when you try and make that jump especially this summer based on your contract status to be up with the jets full-time next year um i think it's only a matter of time for me um like you said every year i have improved and that's been since i was probably 12 years old um i, th- I take huge pride in really working hard in the summer and just doing my best that I can throughout the summer. So I come ready to go at camp and I think there's nothing's going to change for that. 
And I think it was just uh, experience. I mean, I get one more year under my belt in the AHL and um, it's great hockey. It's fast paced. And then you get that playoff experience too, which is even higher level of hockey. So I think that was just a perfect kind of stepping stone for my career. I mean, next year I'm going to come ready trying to take a spot at camp. Then there's no other goal for me now. And we talk a lot about goals, especially early in season back all the way in October you said that you wanted to dominate the AHL. That was one of your goals for this season. And when you went down with your injury, you were in the top five in D scoring. Do you feel like you got to that level that you wanted to this season? Yeah, for sure. I think there was spurts where I was, I'd I'd go out and I felt like I was the best player on the ice for many games in a row. And then it's such a tough league that, um, I mean, it takes a while for you to dominate it consistently every game. So, um, yeah, I think I moved in the right direction. I think that there was a lot of games where I was dominating out there and I was playing really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with the, the way I played this year. And um, I would only expect my game to keep increasing and, uh, and doing well. You know, One guy you developed with and one guy you've seen on the ice, you know, ever since you became uh, a member of this organization with the Moose is Jimmy Olney. And then for him this year to win that Man of the Year award with uh, that presentation by Zinger in Milwaukee, what was that like to see uh, Jimmy get rewarded for his contributions on and off the ice? Uh, It was no surprise. I mean, knowing Jimmy, he's just such a great, well-rounded man. I mean, you watch watch him be a dad and and you kind of aspire to be a dad like him. I mean, he's just... Uh, of course, he has our C for a reason. He's a, he's a great leader, and he really knows how to uh, communicate with the young guys. I mean, when I came in, first time I ever met Jimmy, he, was just, he treated me like I was on the team for the last three years. I mean, it's like I've known him forever, and, I mean, he does that with everyone. Um, and then, of course, he was out with injury, and instead of just focusing on himself and getting back on the ice, he's doing other stuff in the community, and that's just something guys need to look up to and and uh, take a note out of his his book there because it's it's something that I think every guy needs to do is to give back to the community like that. And he just he did it for half a season. So um, tip my hat to Jimmy and just such a great guy. You know, Declan, one of the things, and you just mentioned it, that idea of integration and how good this team is about bringing new guys in. And you're, I'm not going to call you a veteran, obviously, because you're just a couple of years into your pro career. But, you know, there's an opportunity here with a lot of young kids like Danny Jilkin and Dmitry Kuzmin and Nikita Chibrikov that they came and joined you guys at the end of the season, kind of like Torgerson and Nikkinen did last year. So how do you, as a guy who's, you know, been there not that long ago, bring those guys in to kind of help them out. Cause it's one thing I talked about with Alex Limoges, who's a bit of an older guy at 25, but he said he, even him, that was one of the things that he learned with his group was how quick it was to just bring people in. And he wanted to be a part of that as well. Yeah. I don't, I think it's just a culture thing, really. I mean, you come in, it was like that when I came in, I mean, guys are just nice and they're reaching out to you. They're inviting you to do stuff outside the rink. Um, Guys are involving in conversations around the rank. I mean, it's not it's not an environment that guys are really intimidated to come into, which is exactly what you want. And I think that's what you need in a team to strive for success. I mean, um, when I came in, I was in the exact position, right? Uh, I got called up for two weeks at the end of a Peterborough season. And uh, it was very similar. I mean, Jimmy was there. A lot of guys that are on the team now, Kobe, Leon, they were all there. And uh, they, it was no different then. And I think it's just gotten better as – the years have gone on and it's like these guys, these guys come in and uh, they have nothing to worry about other than playing well in their hockey game. I mean, um, if you're stressed about other things and intimidated to do stuff around the rink, maybe you're going to be a little more nervous on the ice. And 
I think it's just a great environment that we've built in Manitoba and it's just a great cultured team. Declan, I wanted to ask you about the defenseman that you've played with over the past three seasons, because sometimes it can be tough for us to see this stuff when we're right in the middle of it. But I think as we move on down the road, we're going to look back on the past few years and, and see just what an incredible defense core this team had. What's it been like playing with uh, the various guys who've come through over these three seasons? Uh, you don't really get to see this many good defensemen in an organization. I mean, it's it's uh, it's been a blessing because, like I said, I think on the show last year, you you uh, you take a piece out of everyone's game because everyone does something really strong, and um, you see guys moving on to the next level, like Kovi and Sammy from previous years. I mean, these guys uh, obviously doing the right things, and they uh, their game has really taken a stride in the into the next level, and. Um, I think it's it's really good for my individual game too because it, it just pushes me to want to do better. And you're competing out there. I mean, guys' spots are never safe in the lineup because guys are always doing well, and that's exactly what you want on a AHL roster is for guys to push each other to get better in order to make the NHL. And I think I've been really lucky to play here and to develop here because you can see that all the D coming out of this organization are really developing. Got to ask you about the Pete's Chiz. You've been following along with the uh, OHL championship, but all I know, obviously, Rob Wilson coached you for a little bit there before you you signed on with the Moose here. But um, what's it been like watching that team uh, head into the OHL championship, taking on the London Knights? I got to admit, I'm a little jealous because I wish uh, we did that <laughs> when we were there, and we we got that taken from us in my fourth year due to COVID. But I'm so happy for them, and I still keep in touch with the coaches and stuff. It's the same coaching staff, and. Uh, they, they obviously have a great team. I watched last night's game. They won again. And, um, yeah, I'm rooting for them. And if it does end up going back to Pedro for one more game, I hope I can get out to it. So Declan, I have to ask you, did you see the, uh, interaction between the London Knights player and the official in the box? I didn't. You didn't see it? No. All right. Well, maybe you want to check that out. It was a very unusual, uh, interaction between the, uh, the guy in the penalty box and the player who was uh, sent to the penalty box, they had a little bit of an argument and it looked like they were going to come to blow. So you're like, okay, well that's unexpected. And then literally they queued back to them on the, on the broadcast and they're like, best, they were best friends and they were laughing. So anyways, if you get a chance to check it out, it's probably worth, yeah, I'll check it's it probably, out. It's probably worth could. seeing. Um, no, but you know what? So you want to, obviously the, the focus for you is the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you've, you, like you said, you, you're a Manitoba moose and you're focused on the Manitoba moose realistically now the, the focus has turned to being a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And I know you said you can focus on your summer training and only do what you can do, but is that in your mindset? Is that the mindset right now? You've got, you know, again, there's a lot of guys who are going to be up there. You know, Billy is a guy who's going to be competing with you. You got obviously Dylan Samber, you got Logan Stanley, you got a lot of competition up there, but you're a confident guy. You're a guy who has a lot of, you know, confidence in his own skill set. So is that, but do you still have to have that mindset of I'm going up there to claim a, a job, with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that's exactly my mindset. Um, you know, you can't, you can't worry about the other guys that you're competing against. You can only go in and do, uh, and control what you can control. I mean, I'm going to go in there, do my best. I am confident in my skill set, And I, I think I've proven myself again after a great season with the Moose. So I think I'm going to go in there with uh, all the confidence I built up throughout this year and um, just do what I can do at camp and earn a spot. I mean, that's all you can do. What's got to be your focus to improve on to, to make that a reality? Uh, I think I just have to go in and 
again, have a great summer and then go in and be very physical in camp, hard on these top guys. Um, and hopefully uh, if I get into a few exhibition games, I mean, I hope hopefully do really well in those and, and can just stick to my game. You know, I, I want to go up there and, and I don't want to change my game and play super simple or anything and, and not get noticed. You know, you kind of have to have a happy medium of I create offense. So I think I want to really push the pace of play and, and just be solid defensively. So I think I just want to go up and play the game that I've been playing with the moose with the jets. You know, Declan, is there a lot of focus when you're with the moose? You, you obviously, like I said, that's your team. That's who you're focused on playing for because that's your reality. But do you guys pay, tend to pay more attention because the Jets are in Winnipeg? You guys are, you know, sharing facilities. Does that and is there a benefit to that? And do you get a chance to, I don't know, pick the mind of a Josh Morrissey or a Brendan Dillon or those types of guys who have a few more years in in pro hockey than you might? I think it is an advantage that they're so close. I mean, yeah, you're watching every time they play at home. I'm watching the game. Um, usually on my TV or with the boys on the 25th floor in our building. Um, so I think that's definitely a huge advantage. And uh, I don't get to pick their brain throughout the year, but I think at camp I'm talking to these guys like Josh Morrissey and Dylan and um, Pionk and stuff. You're, you're picking their brain and, and asking them for tips because they've been there, they've made the team. And um, I think everyone on that team's nice enough to, to give you a chance and try to help you out because – you, they know how hard you're working. I mean, they've been there. And, um, yeah, again, I think it's a huge advantage to see them all the time and to ch- share facilities and to have management there all the time, too. I mean, they're watching every Manitoba Moose game and the coaching staff's watching some games. So I think it's great for the exposure. All right, Declan. I, I, I said this to Jeff the other day. I'm not going to call you a Winnipegger just yet, but what is something from Winnipeg that, you know, you've learned over the last couple of years that you've come to appreciate? Got to accept the cold. <laughs> you can't be hiding inside. You got to layer up and accept the cold, especially having a dog. Now, what kind of dog? Why are we hearing the dog barking? Why are we not saying you making noise? Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's fine. But you have to bring him on the broadcast. That's why, uh, that's what the yeah, people want to see. Now, probably digging oh. holes. All right. Never mind. <laughs> all right, Declan. Well, hey, we appreciate you jumping on with us and we appreciate you being available all throughout the course of the year. So thanks a lot for that and uh, have a great summer. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. And thanks for everything all year. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. That is Declan Chisholm, of course, the Jets draft pick, who is uh, a lot of folks are projecting to be a uh, shot with the big club next year. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch him. It's been interesting watching him develop, huh, boys? And and it will be unusual next year to not see Declan Chisholm and Leon Gavanke as a defensive pairing on the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, uh, sorry, Faker. Yeah, Declan. I mean, like we said, he, he's been a, he's been a great pro. I mean, the way he's developed um, this season, and to see him get rewarded for that too with that All Star nod in Laval, just you could see how much of a boost of confidence that sort of gave him being able to you know skate alongside some of the other AHL's best players. And um, again, yeah, like like we said too, he's a guy who's been here forever. We've seen him continue to develop, and you know, he's also got that NHL game under his belt too from uh, last season as well. So um, lots of confidence, and you could see that too during that interview as well. I think that's one of the things that impresses me most about Declan Chisholm. He doesn't shy away from that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like we were talking about, he came in at the beginning and says, I want to dominate the AHL. Not a lot right. of guys, one, have the confidence to say something like that, and two, are forthright enough to say something like that. He knows that's what he needs to do, and he doesn't shy away from that. What's he say here at this, uh, at this end of your roundtable? I want to make the Jets, which means I need to beat out somebody for a spot. And 
love those guys. I respect them, but I need to beat them for a job. So he is really, really uh, that confidence, I, I think, plays well. And it's just a, a good mental position for him to be in and looking forward to seeing what he can accomplish over a really keep what it needs to have a good summer. Well, and, and I think there's a very fine line because sometimes people would think, oh, is that cockiness? Is that arrogance? And you, I can tell you, as again, someone from who's outside the organization, to me, it's confidence. It's a guy who has an understanding of his skill set, has a belief in himself. And look, he's a fifth round pick, right? A 2018 fifth round pick. Sometimes people tend to gloss over those. Of course, Connor Hellebuck would suggest that you maybe don't ignore what fifth round picks can do when they get to the NHL. But I mean, Declan Chisholm is another guy who, again, if you don't pay attention to the AHL, you might uh, not understand what he is capable of doing, his his skill set, and how how quite just how quick he is, and quite how um, you know his his ability to see the ice. So it'll be very interesting to see what he's able to do in training camp. He's going to need to have a great summer, and uh, and unlike us who don't have to train this summer, he's going to have to have a big summer of training. So let's let's head to a commercial break. Then we're going to talk to Dominic Tonata when he gets a chance to join us here on our end of season recap of the Moose. Uh, 2022-2023 season. Hosted by Illegal Curve. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club. Bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome back to the uh, end-of-season roundtable, boys. It is flying by. We're 
45 minutes left in the program. Uh, already two good guests, a couple of uh, CHL guys. Uh, and it's coincidental that both the Seattle Thunderbird and Peterborough Pete happen to be in the championship series. So an opportunity to ask those guys about the teams that they're continuing to cheer for. And also, coincidentally, both their respective teams have 3-1 series advantage. Anyone? No one? Having I'm having unmute issues again. There we go. All right. Had my cursor up in the top. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, great, great for those uh, junior clubs to see the the chance here to wrap things up, and uh, obviously a lot of great hockey going on in junior right now, and a uh, couple of moose that have uh, ties to those teams and did some important development down in the uh, junior ranks before uh, making their way to the pros. That was a lot of fun, though, Dave. You did mention the penalty box tilt. That was a lot of fun. I was watching the game live last night, so I got a pretty good kick out of that. <laughs> I've never seen. I've never seen anything like. Uh, I've never seen a, a penalty box attendant fighting, almost fighting a player, especially not when the penalty box attendant is like eighty years old. I mean, he was like eighty, and he looked like he was going to fight the kid. And then the best was the best was that they started like loving each other, like a minute. They cued to them like a minute and eight seconds in. And suddenly now they're best friends and they're they're laughing and they're joking. So anyways, we're not going to keep our next guest waiting because uh, I don't want his mom to get mad at me. But this is Dominic Toninato. Hey, Dominic, how are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good. We're good. How is, uh, how's your summer going? Uh, it's been good. It's, uh, it's definitely been a busy couple of weeks here getting home, uh, just getting stuff set up and settled back into the, into the house. Well, I mean, again, you've got the little ones, a new addition, I should say. So how's that, how's, how's that adjustment going with the, uh, you know, again, back in Minnesota? Yeah, it's good. Um, we had, uh, we got a room all set up, uh, kind of all-star break, Christmas time, stuff like that when we had the off time. Um, so we had that all set up. So it's pretty smooth transition into that. Um, but as far as having the time off right now to just spend all the time I can with her and, and with the wife, um, and then seeing family and, and whatnot, it's it's been nice to have the time off so far. What was that like welcoming a new addition mid hockey season? I, by all accounts, can't say I've had I've gone through it myself, but from all accounts, it's tough enough. Much less when you've got uh, the rigors of a pro hockey season going on as well. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it was crazy. What uh, what an incredible time for my family and myself. Um, fortunate enough to get get some time off from the team. Uh, very thankful from from them for that. Um, just being able to to spend the time with her and um, help the wife out uh, that was awesome. But yeah, it's tough. It's a tough tough transition. Um, you're definitely losing sleep. Uh, it's you're doing all you can to try and get that sleep and rest. But um, like I said in in my other uh, interviews, was just shout out to my wife uh, for all she does. I mean, she. She's tremendous and lets me do what I do and um, is a big help. And then obviously that must have been so special. We, I know we talked about this before, Don, but just to have your daughter at her first American Hockey League game scoring with the big celebration too towards that section. I mean, that must have been a pretty special moment. And I mean, that must rank pretty highly in terms of moments from the year for yourself. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I mean, it was, uh, it was a moment I've been dreaming of forever. Um, I mean, Playing pro hockey, you see, you see guys having kids all the time down at the glass, and uh, I just couldn't wait for that time to to be for me. And um, yeah, like you said, scoring that goal and and having them right there was awesome. Uh, but unfortunately, they were down in the family room at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, I think she was either feeding or taking a snooze, so they missed it. <laughs> 
Still a good luck charm, though. She was still there at the end. Yeah, she was in the yeah, building. Yeah. She was in the building. <laughs> yeah, she was in the building. That's right. You know, Dom, one of, the, one of the things that guys, you know, we talk about is when you get sent down, the, you, know, you can hang your head or you can just go to work. And you went to work. And Mark Morrison talked about it and talked about how, how good your attitude was and, and what a testament. And I think, you know, you, because of that sort of mindset, it earned you a recall when the Jets needed someone at the end of the season. They say, okay, well, let's go to this guy because his mindset's just been right. Career highs for you in terms of, I think, games, goals, assists, poor points, not assists maybe. But, the, but it's been a good year is what I'm getting at ultimately. Yeah. What do you think it is that, that allowed you to say, like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to pout. I'm just going to do what I need to do to just keep on going. Yeah, I mean, I just I try and live my my daily life like that and be positive. Um, I mean, if if obviously things are going to go wrong, it's life. Life's not fair, and it's just having that positive attitude and and taking all the positive out of every bad circumstance you can. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's I get to play a game for a living, so can't really beat that. And um, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it, and. I'm just keeping that positive mindset every day and just hope your number gets called. Well, and with that, you became a key member of this team. I mean, you're anchoring the top line. You were logging tough minutes. Uh, How important was it for you to have that opportunity to be a top guy with this team and relied so heavily upon? Yeah, exactly. That uh, I think just having that different, um, uh, am I looking for just different role, I, I guess, than, than being up with the big club. Um, whereas at the big club, you're kind of, kind of grinding it out, um, PK and, uh, stuff like that, getting that, getting to come down and playing that top, top line, getting power play time, um, playing those important minutes. Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, and definitely helps build the confidence. Uh, try, try putting a little more skill into my game. Um, but I definitely wanted to stick with with the same roots that got me to where I am today, um, and and playing that that grinding style. And then you obviously also signed the two year contract with the organization. Uh, you know, just leading into the postseason here as well, just recently. Um, what went into that decision that made you want to stay here in Winnipeg for the next couple of years? Well, it's just uh, me and my family have made that place home. Um, it's the longest tenured team I've been with now, so. Um, we kind of found home there. It's it's close to our actual our actual home, so it's nice to the wife can go home on on long road trips, or the family can come up and visit pretty easily with a nice easy drive. Um, love the organization, uh, love the fans. Um, we just we we like everything about it. So, um, and then on top of that, getting the getting the two years um, really helped with the stability part. Uh, especially with having the little one now, it's just nice to kind of go into summer, not having to worry about contract talks and where I might end up. Is that too, that you mentioned stability I mean, with the teams in the same city? I mean, no matter where you play, whether it's in the NHL, the AHL, you're still going to be in Winnipeg. How valuable is that? Yeah, that's exactly it. That, uh, that definitely played another huge factor. Um, especially if, yeah, like you said, you're up and down, um, you can get there right away and, and settle into a house and not have to worry about being in a hotel and then seeing what happens after camp. So that definitely played, played a big factor as well. And like one of the things that this group just seems to, they're just bonded. Everybody in this group just seems to like each other. And we talk, I often ask about integration and how quick everybody is to integrate new guys. But what is it about this group? Like I, I you know, we talked about it with Jeff and his response was, I just love these guys. Like that's just the, the attitude. And again, 
I can't speak to what goes on in every other organization, but it just seems like this group is very connected. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's a great group of guys. Um, I, it's just, everyone's so welcoming. I mean, there's no, there's no egos. No one's better than, than the next guy. Um, everyone's there to, to have fun, get better and, and try and get to that next level. So um, very welcoming group of guys. And I know we had a, a lot of fun this year. Now, hold on. Are they, are they still equal when you guys have your Catan tournaments and there's, a, there's <laughs> actually a winner and a loser? Uh, yeah, but that's just, that's just brotherly, brotherly fighting, right? Fair enough. Yeah. Family's fight. <laughs> gotta ask you too about, Good Yeah, I know you do for sure. Um, you gotta yeah. ask you too about Jimmy Olney, man. I mean, he's a guy who you've you've been with. I mean, the entire time you've been with this organization. Um, to see him get that AHL Man of the Year award after being nominated, I think Zinger said like four times. Um, what's that mean to have a guy like that in your team, and how important is it for you guys just to be that you know visible community um, people, I guess, as well? Well, it's nice to have a guy that old. As as myself, we got a lot of young guys, so it's nice to have a, a a fellow older guy on the team with me. Um, but no, it was awesome for Jimmy. We're we're all so happy for him. He's just he's a heck of a guy, heck of a leader. Um, obviously, what he gives back to not only the team but the community. Um, it's just good. He he finally got that recognition and and won that award. Um, obviously being up nominated four times, he's he's doing all the right things. So. We were uh, we were definitely really happy for him. You mentioned uh, a lot about kind of playing on that top line or and just gelling with the guys. I mean, you spent a lot of your season playing with Jeff Malott, Alex Limoges, Jansen Harkins. So what can you say about playing with those guys? Uh, every single one of them's incredible players. Um, easy to play with, easy to move in and out. Um, didn't matter who who we were playing with. The Joe was always there. Um, they just, they did it all. And on top of that, just great guys off the ice as well, too. So it was a lot of fun playing with those guys. I know, uh, they helped me out a lot and, um, we had a good time. Dominic, I know you, I know you said that you've made Winnipeg home and the organization home. What what is it you think about the community that, that you've embraced? And obviously Minnesota and and Manitoba are very close to each other, but is there something that you've come to learn or appreciate uh, being here in Winnipeg now for the last couple of years? Well, I think it's just like the hockey community. It's just, it's a hockey city. And I really love that. Everyone's uh, behind both teams. Um, they're into hockey. They, at the games, like they know when to cheer, when not to cheer. They'll give you the occasional booze when you need it. Um, so it's just like the knowledge that they have. And, and the, it's just a hockey city, which is awesome. Um, and like you said, just, it's very similar to, to Minnesota. It might be a little colder just because because the wind gets whipping a little more, but um, it's very similar to, to Minnesota, which which we've grown up in my whole life. Little friendly Manitoba and Minnesota nice. They, they, they're well yeah. connected. They're yeah. well connected. All right, well, we appreciate you joining us uh, on this afternoon show, Dominic, and uh, have a great rest of your summer and enjoy your the new addition to your family. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy summer. Appreciate it. There he goes. That is Dominic Toninato, the newly signed. Well, not really newly signed, but two-year deal. He's got a fresh deal in the organization. So uh, appreciate that veteran, wily veteran insight that he's providing because he's right. It is a young team. It's going to be a younger team probably next year, guys, uh, with some of these new faces that are going to be in the organization and some of the guys who might be graduating up to the NHL. 
And that's why some of these games help. Sorry, Finker, but that's nope, why some of these it. early games help for some of these guys. We talked about it right off the hop with, you know, the Nikonins, the Torgersons, and then you get some guys like, you know, Jilkin or, you know, just guys that are able just to get here and just learn what the room's like and just sort of learn what the pro game's like here in North America. Uh, Chibrikov, even a guy who maybe doesn't speak the, the best English, but just is able to sort of get climatized to that, you know, style of North American hockey and work with some of the coaches. You know, those games are so crucial. And, um, yeah, they're going to be able to lean on guys like Dominic and Jimmy and guys who have been, you know, around this league for such a long time and just continue to get them, you know, feeling comfortable here. And that stability is important, not just for a player like Dom, but for the organization as well. You have a guy who's been immersed in and is espousing that culture that we've heard a few of the guys talking about here. When you have guys remain a part of the group, that just gets carried on. So I think that that's a big thing too and uh, very valuable. I mean, we don't know where <laughs> where Mr. Tony Notto is going to be playing next year. He could be with the Jets, could be with the Moose, but but either way, I think it's important for the organization to retain guys like that who can bring that to either side. Yeah, well, there's no question about it. And and you heard it, right? Like Alex Limoges, another guy, he's an RFA with arbitration rights, but he he didn't he seemed very open to pl- coming back and being uh you know, I didn't want to get too much into his uh, you know, his plans for the, for the next year. But again, there is another guy who really seemed to embrace playing in Canada. And that's one of the things that we talk about is that if you're going to be here, you got to be here and you got to be willing to embrace it. Even as Declan Chisholm says, it's cold, but still you have to be willing to embrace what it is about playing in this market. And you hear guys appreciate it, right? Like Dominic just said, he appreciates the fan base. Like they know they're going to boo you when you're not doing well. It's because they know, but they appreciate it. They, they reward you for an effort. And I think that's to me is one of the biggest focuses of the, of players when they're, when they're playing is that, you know, that you have to be able to will be willing to embrace playing in a passionate market. And that's what Winnipeg ultimately is, at least by my, by my measure. And I think people like that too, like Daniel said too. I mean, like just having the same, you know, the AHL, the NHL, you know, cities in the same market, you know, after training camp, you don't have to, you know, worry about looking where you're going to live. You're still in the same city here if, if you get sent to the Manitoba Moose. So um, that's key too. And then obviously, you know, the coaching staff too here is so, so, you know, essential in just keeping that room tight and keeping those guys engaged and, you know, again, helping them learn what it's like here in Winnipeg. Yeah, and keeping it fun too. I mean, yeah. you look at guys right through the Mark Morrison, Eric Dubois, Nolan Baumgartner. I mean, there's a just as many laughs or a lot more laughs than there is barking really. So uh, it's, it's a good group and that runs from the players right through to the coaching staff. And I think that helps when everybody's able to kind of keep it light. For sure. And, and I think that, and you see it and it's, and it's always easier when you're winning and these, this Moose club has been a, a winning club for the last couple of years. Right. So it, it always, it's always easier when you're winning. It's always more fun when you're winning and everybody's happier when you're winning. So let's uh, speaking of winning, let's bring the GM of the Manitoba Moose and the assistant general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Craig Heisinger, into the chat. Hey, Zinger, how are you? Good, you guys. How are you? I'm well. I am well. We're uh, we're wrapping it up. It's been a it's been a fast show already. But let's start with uh, speaking of winners and and winning. Let's start with Jimmy Olney, your captain. He, uh, you know, was suffered that tough injury in the summer. Uh, worked his way to get back in the lineup and uh, was named the Yannick Dupree AHL Man of the Year. You got to surprise him and the team. With uh, with that award on the final road trip, so what does that what does he mean to you as a captain, and what did that mean to you to make the presentation the way you did to him? Uh, well, I think it's a real feather in Jimmy's cap. I don't think it's any surprise, uh, although it's probably one of the most difficult 
awards to win because there's there's 32 nominees there's not there's not that many nominees for the other individual awards it's probably four or five uh for that one there's 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 32 um and there's a lot of guys that do a lot of great things in the american league when they're not at the rink and, and jimmy's one of them and to be nominated in, in in two different places three times with the moose one time with milwaukee somewhat ironic that we got the phone call in Milwaukee and we're able to tell him in Milwaukee um, where he first got started, I think was pretty special for him. And um, he's, he, he does it all for us. I mean, uh, that we acquired him by a trade. Um, it's, it's been one of the better trades we've made as an organization since it's probably since 1996. Um, and he's an organizational player that young guys can learn from of the right way to do things. And, and when you make mistakes, Jimmy's there to help you. How valuable is that singer when you have that leader who's able to show those young guys the way, not necessarily just on the ice, but off it as well? Well, I think that's something for a long time we've tried to concentrate on is, you know, we, well, we, we always use the term veteran, but lots of our leaders the last little while are vet are, are good veteran players, but don't have the veteran tag attached to them, which we've, you know, is, is always a good thing when you're not rotating guys in and out. But, you know, like Jeff Malott's still a pretty young player, but he's a he's a good veteran leader. Uh, you know, Domin Dominic Toninato was certainly evolved into that. Uh, Jansen Harkins, um, I think you can just learn through Jansen by his trials and tribulations and young players see that. And the same thing is going to happen to them that 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 that's happened to Jansen and they're going to remember how, how Hark's dealt with it and, and, and learn from that. So I think that's valuable. Obviously, Jimmy's brought a lot of leadership. I think Austin Sautner's brought a lot of, of leadership. And I think it's good to surround your young players with those kind of core guys and core values. And and then you see them, uh, you know, evolve from underneath. I think you saw, you know, Declan Chisholm evolve into that. Certainly, you know, one of the most competitive players we've, we've had here, but he certainly didn't start like that was Leon Gavanka. Um, you know, going out the door is probably one of our, one of our most competitive want to win guys. Um, so you see those guys evolve and, 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 that, and that's, a, that's a real good thing. You saw Greg Morales take a real leadership role towards the end of the year. So he, he's learned from the people that, that are in place and then he carries it forward. I mean, that, that trickle down effect Zane with, with Jimmy. I mean, you just almost feel like that whole room, whether guys are wearing a letter or not, everyone feels like a leader and everyone just has accountability for their own game. How key can that be for some of the new guys maybe who are just getting started over here? I'm talking like Chipperkov, Jilkin, maybe some guys who don't know that North American game or that game here in Winnipeg as well, just to be able to integrate them in the lineup with everyone just being so friendly and accommodating. Yeah, I, I think that's important that, that you have a room that that welcomes you or, you or you have a leadership group that, you know, takes young guys under their wing. And I think new guys coming in might not know someone like Jimmy Oligny's whole story, but, you know, going from hurting his knee in the summertime to working his way back three quarters of the way through the lineup, there might be some guys that, you know, looked at his game and say, well, why is this guy still playing at, at times? But Jimmy, it that's, that's part of the, that's part of the process. Not easy for, Jimmy to step back into the lineup when he does in late February, early March, and everybody's going 70 miles an hour and he's getting his feet wet going 30. But young guys see the, 
you know, his, his passion and his compete. And that might not resonate with them right now, but two years down the road, they're coming off an injury and they think, man, now I know what Jimmy was dealing with. Um, that, that's why I think even that, that uh, man of the year award was even more special for someone like Jimmy because of what he battled through that adversity this year. How, how important is it for guys like Jimmy Roy and, and Mike Keen to get a little recognition for what they do to this, for this organization? I mean, Mike Keen's around all the time, you know, local guy, three-time Stanley cup champion, captain uh, of the, of the, in the NHL. How much, how important are they to this organization in terms of helping you guys develop good hockey players? Well, I mean, they're the, they're the foundation and the support of our, our player development area. Um, Mike deals with mostly the pro side and Jimmy deals with most of the amateur side. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that you could, they bring a lot more to the table than just their, their player development component. Um, they're hardworking. They're what you want in a player. Although in today's young player, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have to go home and Google Mike Keen and Jimmy Roy to see exactly <laughs> what they, what they did or didn't accomplish. Um, you, you tell today's young player that Mike Keane's a three-time Stanley Cup champion and, and captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I think they call bullshit on that. You know, they go <laughs> they go to Hockey DB and they and they look at it. You know, um, Jimmy Roy the the same thing. But these are players. Un, you know, Jimmy was drafted, um, but but Keener wasn't. But they're 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 both self-made players, um, and they can see what those guys accomplish. Um, and I, I think they can, players can't say to, you know, Jimmy and Mike, you don't know how I feel uh, because they've, they've both lived the highs and the lows of, of, of what the hockey world brings. On the ice this season, Zinger, I asked uh, Mo a similar question, but every, every season is going to have its own identity for the team, for the league, everything. But uh, what kind of stands out for you for the 2022-23 boost this year? Um, you get asked sort of at the start of the year, sort of what, what, what time, what, uh, type of team you think you're going to have. Um, and I always say, because I don't think you ever know in the American league, what time type of team you're going to have when the season starts. So I'm, I always say, well, we're going to have a middle of the road team. Like, like we always do. Um, I, I don't think we're going to finish last, but I don't think we're going to finish first. Um, and I, I, I think for the most part, our, we had some younger players in the lineup, especially at, at forward, uh, well, especially Torgerson and, and, and Nikonen, um, Parker Ford towards the end of the year. Um, but I think the biggest thing is year over year, you want to see improvement. I don't, I don't really think for me, especially in the American League, that one season stands out over the other unless you win in the end. I think obviously that's going to identify a season. I think I find in the American League that that years merge together. Like you're always trying to put together, well, that guy played here how long ago, two years ago or three years ago. You're all, the season sort of merged together, especially in the last 10 or 12 years where there's no really break anymore. The Just the games end, but the, the hockey business doesn't end. It's not like you, you sit here in the summer with your feet up. Um, and the players just show up in September and start playing again. Um, so I think the year over, I think the year over year improvement is is what comes to mind for me. Um, 
and 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 how much you know you you see the you see the steps that Declan Chisholm takes you know over a three or four year period or Leon Gavanka takes or Vili Hanola or you know the the two new two Torgerson and and Nikanen whose kind of seasons were split in, in half where Nikanen really seemed to show some improvement in the first half of the year and showed an identity as a penalty killer and Daniel sort of struggled in the first half and then the second half a change where Henry's game sort of hit a wall and, and, and Torgerson's game picked up. Like everything, nothing happens fast enough for either the team or the player. But the fact of the matter is they all get there in due time. Patience is the, is the key word. I mean, and you, you learn by accident, even, even for someone like me, that's, you know, been at it forever. I, I, I try to protect myself against myself when you sign younger players that you sort of like, but you do it on American league contracts that you sign them for two years and not one year. So you don't give up on them so quickly that you're tied to them for two years. So you can't sort of cut off your nose to spite your face. You're forced to keep them and give them a longer look. Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times, Zinger. So, I mean, you were here in 2000 when Brett Hauer obviously set that record for most goals in a season by a, a defenseman for the Manitoba Moose. I so, would have really appreciated. I'm sorry, I know. As soon as I said it, I knew you were going to say something, so I apologize for that. But to see Leon, I mean, break that record. He's a guy who's been with this organization for a number of years. Um, to see him set that record and break that record, I mean, what was that like to see um, after so many years? Yeah, it was really good to see because I mean, Leon's come such a long way. He came such a long way from the his junior playing junior in the Quebec League and. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that Mike and Jimmy spoke to Leon about his conditioning and his strength and his summer training. And it's it's like he never bought in. It's like he never bought in and he never bought in. And then, you know, what finally motivated? I'm not really sure. I think the Olympics had a big factor in it that um, that Leon was going to have a chance to play for his country in the Olympics. And they ultimately got postponed because of COVID. But he came into the into the season in, in, in the best condition and, and the best strength that he had in his career. And I, I think he finally he proved to himself of what he could do. And I, I think his game really, really took off from there. And I think it was I think it was a lot more rewarding for Jimmy and Mike to see that than it was for anybody else, because they spent a lot of time. And sometimes you wonder. You can talk a lot, but it's the other person that's got to listen. And I think sometimes you wonder if you're getting through at times. And certainly Leon bought in um, and, and did a fantastic job. Uh, uh, he, he did a re- great job for this organization. And I'm sorry to see him go, but I wish him nothing but the best. Now, Zinger, in, in your previous answer to Daniel, you talked about that idea of kind of Instant gratification. The society we live in, everybody wants these guys to be ready. They're drafted in June. They want them to play on the Jets in, in September. That's just, just not realistic. You had a couple of guys, young guys, in, in Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert, who both obviously were playing here until the World Juniors. They went down. I can't imagine those are tough, easy conversations to have with those kind of prospects who want to play at the pros. But ultimately, it really is looking like, I mean, obviously Chaz Lucius suffered that injury but it's looking like you guys did the best thing for their long-term careers because they both excelled in the WHL. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes it's your job. No different than I said, a two-year contract, you know, protects me from making a mistake. Sometimes it's, it's up to the organization that everybody wants to play pro and thinks they're ready for pro. 
But as an organization, you have to have the, I think you have to have the rose colored glasses off and see your players and your prospects for what they are and more importantly for what they aren't. Um, and it was, it was becoming clear that this it's, it's hard to play in the American league, never mind to try to play in the American league at 19. It's, it's just a fact. It is, it is very, very hard to do. There is not many players that can do it. And I don't think it's an indictment on the player or the organization that you can't do it at 19. If you can, Hey, great. But if you can't play at the level where you can excel at and gain confidence and get better at, you don't get better. Not you, you can play at any level and play in situations where you're good at. It's to play at the level where you can play in situations that you're not so good at and develop a much more rounded game. Like, you know, one of the most interesting things, and I, I was talking to Mo about this yesterday is like, and maybe this is short-sightedness on our part, but like Lambert's playing center in Seattle. Like, I don't think that would have ever happened here because you can't afford to probably give him a shot at center in the American league, because as much as you're developing in the American league and everybody says it's, you know, not so much about winning and losing, but by players getting better, but players getting better need to learn in somewhat of a winning environment and the the most important games are going to play all year is those playoff games so you want it you're trying to make sure that your whole group gets to the playoffs not just one guy gets the benefit of the doubt in a certain situation so i think it's really interesting that brad lambert is in the second half of the season in seattle has gone down and and played center and that, that doesn't make a, a, a ton of sense to me, but he's excelled at it. Like, I wouldn't have saw Brad Lambert as a center. But obviously, Matt Odette either saw something there that we didn't, or sometimes a situation in junior, when you're short players, you don't really, unless one of your uh, uh, affiliated players is close by, you're playing short. So it's like anybody play center, you know? And, and it's worked out. He's played very well at center. So with that in mind, Zing, you got uh, the possibility that the Moose might be very young next year up front. I mean, it, depending on how everything shakes out, you got that's all the young guys in at the end of uh, the season and into playoffs, uh, tracking along with the team. And uh, obviously saw Brad and Chaz with the group uh, earlier on in the season. So is that kind of exciting to see that uh, young group of prospects coming into the organization? Well, on one hand, yes, but you you got to make sure we're, you're competitive too. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a, we've had a group of forwards with, it's always been the thinnest part of our organization the, the last few years. Um, but I, I think, I think they're going to be surrounded by, uh, uh, some good veteran mentorship, Jeff Ballad, Toninato, uh, certainly guys like that. I mean, I, I think, I think a guy that I haven't mentioned that I, I thought brought a lot of leadership with was Alex Lamoge. Uh, did a really, really good job, really good person, really understood his role in the team. Obviously, uh, obviously, Nick Jones provides a hardworking mentality for younger players to follow. So, yeah, will we be younger? Yeah, uh, but we do need to be competitive and, and we need to we're going to need to lean on. Um, I think I think it'll continue. One, one thing that we've been able to do with our with our defense is move the puck. 
Um, and, and I think there's going to be some exits uh, on the back end um, just based while Leon left. Um, some guys are going to be subject to waivers so that we that we can still get the puck out of our zone to our group of forwards. Not much good having a new group of skilled forwards if we can't get the puck to them. So we got to ensure that that our D um, and it, it'll be a bit younger, too, but that we can we can move, we can move the puck like we can, that we can get it to our forward group and they have an opportunity. Forwards aren't going to improve if they don't have the puck on their stick. You obviously had a, a vacancy on your uh, coaching staff heading into the season with Marty Johnson getting the call to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but you also bring in a former Moose and an experienced coach did Nolan Baumgartner in to, to run the offense there. I mean, what can you say about the job he did this season and how important was it to bring in a face? Maybe some fans know and some, some players might know as well. Well, um, it's an interesting question. I mean, we're, we've uh, um, we've had some really good people, um, and I would say iconic Moose players over the years, guys that really, really check some boxes uh, as good people. Uh, you know, obviously Drew McIntyre is here now. Wade Flaherty's here. Um, Bomber is here now. Jimmy's here. Mike Keen's here. Um, and, and there's other guys that have worked for other organizations, you know, Max Fortunas in Texas, Jason Jaffrey with Dallas now. Like, um, those are guys you've all kept on a list. Uh, you know, Jason King got his opportunity with us with St. John's. Like, that's a that's a list of iconic Moose guys, in my opinion, that um, were, you're always got a list of, and if there's an opportunity to provide them with an opportunity, you sort of look down that road. Um, and it it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work in the Moose 1.0 days. There was, there was no more heated rivalry than the Wolves and the Moose. And sometimes my definition of an iconic Moose player conflicts with what Chevy thought from his days with the Wolves. So, uh, and, and that was never more evident than when I suggested we hired Jimmy Roy because nobody started more wars in the old Moose 1.0 days and than Jimmy, even though he says he didn't. Um, um, so, you know, Bomber came in and gave us an opportunity to have a seamless transition. Uh, he knew, he knew Mark Morrison. Um, he didn't know Eric Dubois, uh, but obviously he knew me and, uh, he has experience. He was really like, uh, you know, there's, there's, he really liked the city, him, his wife, Liz, and their son, Jake. Um, you know, we all go through the stories of Winnipeg's a tough sell at the national league level. Um, and at times it is, but it's a really solid location in the American League. And for two reasons. One is it's a good place to play. They get treated well. And if you're a, as a young player and a depth player, you only got to move once. You, you pick up a spot and, it, and you're, you, you go to the same rink. And if you go to the ice plex, you just go in the door on the left or the door on the right, depending on who you're practicing with that day. Ringer, at what point are you going to uh, petition the AHL to no longer see the Milwaukee Admirals after seeing them 30 times in the last two seasons? Well, you're the one that seems to have the biggest issue about that, more <laughs> than us. That's all I ever saw you tweet there during the playoffs. <laughs> Trust me, um, I'm sure Milwaukee would petition for that before we would. Um, but, yeah, that's it's part of the issue with sometimes with the American League is a geographically based league, mm -hmm. um, and you don't see enough opponents – We'd certainly like to see, you know, some teams on the other side a bit more. Um, 
but it but it but it but it's but it's the way it is and um that's it's better to have rivalries constant rivalries than maybe an opponent that nobody has any interest obviously there's a there's a good heated rivalry with with milwaukee and um would i agree with yeah i'd like to i'd like to play them a little less but maybe that's up to us to make sure we finish in a spot where we don't see them fair enough but you know one 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 person who showed this year when he jumped to pro that he was able to handle uh, heated rivalries is Tyrell Bauer, the Jets draft pick. You know, Mark Morrison just mentioned him in our end of season media availability. He also mentioned him today on this program about you know how he was impressed by him. So, what were your thoughts uh, of the big right shot defenseman? I thought he really improved. Uh, uh, you know, sort of from from Christmas on. Um, I think there was a defining moment, and I, I don't exactly know when it was. I, I I don't know the game or the date, but. The gap between junior and the American League is gigantic, and it's most gigantic for defensemen. Like that is the biggest leap of faith from whatever league you're leaving, whether it's NCAA or junior, is to try to play defense at the profession at the pro level. Like that, the speed, the skill, the strength is just something you haven't haven't dealt with in junior. You just you just haven't. Um, and I thought he got off, you know, like most young defensemen he got off to a tough start. Like, you know, his puck game was erratic as trying to defend against speed is boxing out. Um, and part of his game is his toughness and his bite and the spice that he brings. And um, I'm not condoning fighting, but it's, it's a part of his game because if you play like that, there's going to be confrontation. And I, I, I thought his first couple of fights, he didn't sort of do very well in. And I, I think that hampered his confidence in his overall game, but there was a time where he got into a third fight and he did really well. And for whatever reason, that seemed to change the confidence level in his game. And again, like, should, is it right? I'm old school. I think that, you know, fighting is part of the game and it, 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 it helps the game at times. And it really helped Tyrell's game in, in that situation. It got him going on a confident course. And I, I thought he, thought he really took off sort of just from just before Christmas till the end. And he didn't play every night, um, but he was ready every night. He didn't really, you know, what really struck me about Kyle Copabianco with the Jets was he didn't play even anywhere close to every night, like every couple of weeks. And his ability to go in and like, like was never like he missed a beat was remarkable to me. And I think Tyrell did a really good job of that. And I think it comes naturally to him because he, one thing you're never going to have to worry about Tyrell is he's never going to, he's never going to cheat you with his work ethic. He's going to be in the Brendan Kitchen, Jansen Harkins category for work ethic that you know that every summer or every practice, they're going to, they're three hours at the rink. They gave you everything they had. Is there some nights it might not be good enough? Yeah, it might not be good enough. But you're never going to say, hey, he cheated tonight. Because that's never going to happen with Tyrell. And for a young player, it's remarkable the amount of leadership he has. Like, players will follow him. Uh, you don't see that very often with young players. And I think that's a real feather in his, in, his, in his cap for him. I mean, he defends teammates. He sticks up for people. Um, he's always there to do the extra stuff off the ice. Um, there, there's a, there's a well-rounded package of both a hockey player and a person, which is really important. 
Singer, you mentioned some of the exits possible on the on the Moose Blue line. And as we come to the end of kind of a three-year cycle here with the team and you look back at some of the players you've had with this Moose Blue line over the past few years, I mean, maybe just can you reflect on on that group for us and, and maybe where they'd stand for you over the years of, uh, of watching this team? Obviously, you like to see guys graduate, and, and we've seen guys graduate. I mean, both Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley have, have made the have, have made the step step to the next level. Um, I think uh, Declan Chisholm is really close, um, and whether you know it's with the Jets or somebody else, because waivers is going to play a, a factor in in his future probably. Um, but the amount that he's improved when he came out of junior, he could do all the things that he could do now, except he wasn't a great defender, and his defending has really really improved, and that's a that's a real credit not only to himself but to to uh, Eric Dubois, who spent a lot of time with these guys, teaching them how to penalty kill, teaching them how to defend. Even if you're an offensive player like Declan, you you need to be able to box out. You need to be able to position your stick. You need to be able to defend. Same with Leon. Um, same with Villy. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress with Simon Lumark, Terrell Bauer. Obviously, Dimitri Kuzman is going to come into the lineup. Uh, you know, and, and, and as much as... Um, not an NHL contract, but I think Dean Stewart has really accounted for himself well. And I, I think that's, you know, he was a, he was an Arizona draft pick that didn't get signed, but um, was a guy that we had some time for and he took a chance on us and we took a chance on him and it, it, it looks like it might pay off for him. Well, Zinger, we, uh, we appreciate you joining us and, and spending uh, part of your afternoon here, uh, you know, recapping uh, another great uh, season here when, of Moose Hockey in Winnipeg. All right. Listen, thanks a lot for having me on guys. And, and like at the end of every season, Dave, I'd, I'd like to thank you personally for your continued support of, of the Moose. Uh, you're there every game, every practice. Um, and we really appreciate that. Thanks. I, I appreciate the appreciation. <laughs> thanks. Edgar. Have a good summer. Thanks guys. There he goes. That is the GM of the Manitoba Moose, Craig Heisinger. Boys, where has the time gone? I mean, it has just flown by. I don't know how we've just done, uh, you know, two hours. I feel like it's, uh, what was that, an old school where he blacks out? Uh, it feels like, I don't know what exactly we've, uh, what we've said, but somehow we've said a lot in the last two hours, but we've also had some very good conversations with Moose head coach Mark Morrison, GM Craig Heisinger, and of course, players Dominic Tonato, Declan Chisholm, and um, Tyrell Bauer. I can't forget his name, of course, because Tico Napoli will remind me, but... <laughs> Boys, what are what are your parting thoughts uh, before we put a final bow on the 2022-23 Manitoba Moose season? Daniel Fink, play-by-play voice. We'll start with you. Well, it certainly makes it easier late in the show when you can have Craig Heisinger come on and chew up a good uh, 26 minutes there uh, of interview time because uh, the in-depth answers, it's always it's always an education uh, getting to getting to talk with Zinger. So really appreciate that. But uh, you know what? For, for this team... Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun again, and uh, every team is different. Every team's going to have its own uh, kind of characters and identity and story. And um, this one, we we saw it take on different forms throughout the year. I think we saw kind of a, a very very heavy forward group of NHL contracts to the point where the Moose had to sit NHL contracts at the start of the season, and then of course. The, the, the young guys go down to junior and uh, Kevin Stenland goes up and players go up and they don't come back, things like that. So uh, things changed around and some guys had to learn new roles and were relied upon to, to do different things. We saw uh, 
guys come in and in Dominic Toninato and Jansen Harkins case uh, become leaders for this team and Alex Limoges and you face on the team lead the team in scoring we saw that defense continue its kind of next steps of evolution and become really one of the most potent offensive groups in the American Hockey League and that was a lot of fun so another year of playoffs another year finishing well in the division you like to see all of that and uh, uh, certainly it sets us up for what could be a very interesting next season as well. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Finker. And I mean, a big thanks to everyone that supported us, whether it be on, on social media or came out to a game or, you know, streamed on AHL TV. I mean, it was such a, a treat for, I know I'm speaking for you, Fink, but for, for you, myself, Anthony, and everyone else, just to, to, to re, you'll be able to bring it broadcast and Moose News, wherever wherever you can reach it. And you as well, I mean, Dave, I mean. Illegalcurve.com. I know, I know, I know. Um, it, it was such a treat and such an honor to be able to bring you content all year. And, and like you said, the playoffs are so much fun. Um, you know, I, obviously we wish we could have gone deeper and had another couple of rounds of, you know, that fun building at Canada Life Center. But uh, I mean, what a year it was. Lots of players took big steps in their development. And like Finker said, should be a fun summer and uh, looking forward to another fun season at uh, Canada Life Center next year. Well, I mean, we can't we can't get out of here without thanking Anthony Fusco because you know we're all members of Fusco Nation, and Anthony is uh, uh, a big part of what the Moose do. And without him, a lot of scouts would be in limbo. Me as a media member would be in limbo because he does a lot of good things and and provides us with a lot of good information uh, with respect to to games and and the team and and communication. So uh, we have to give Anthony a big, big thank you for all the help he does. Daniel, thank you for all the help you've done for that, for, for me throughout the, throughout the year, Austin to you as well. So uh, thank you boys. And and thanks to everyone. I mean, I can't believe another, another season has come to conclusion. Uh, another moose season, I should say has come to conclusion. And uh, of course, if there is any updating with respect to the moose, Austin did it today. Perfect timing. Alex Limoges, the final media availability of the 22-23 campaign went today. That's, of course, on the Manitoba Moose YouTube page, or you can go to illegalcurve.com where I give you a little information about the players, but we'll have a, a recap because I believe we did just just short of 20 interviews, guys, last month, uh, two Mondays ago. So uh, that was a lot of a lot of chatter to end the, end the season, but it was a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of fun. And so, like I said, I'm already looking forward to next year. A lot of, as Daniel's been alluding to, a younger team, a lot of, a big crop of uh, Jets prospects. So, uh, Lots of reasons for folks to pay attention. Of course, if you're going to pay attention to the Moose, either go on the Moose socials or you come to the Leo Curve, and we'll also have all of that covered for you as well. So on behalf of Austin Syracuse, on behalf of Daniel Fink, I am Dave Manuk, and you've been listening to the end of season roundtable hosted by Illegal Curve. All the best, and uh, join us on Saturday morning for a little thing called the Illegal Curve Hockey Show where I may have a Manuk Moose Minute talking about the end of season roundtable. So thanks everyone for joining us this afternoon and we'll talk to you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, illegalcurve.com.